we are up our series we've been in called playing games and if you don't know what this means or what this is it's kind of this cultural phrasing that you play hard to get you're kind of confusing most particularly in relationships we so often aren't clear we're very vague they use the, the phrase hard playing hard to get you're unclear. It's just like you want to be in a relationship, but you don't at the same time. And there's always these excuses and different uh, things that you say that kind of make it so complicated. And I think sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, <clears throat> we can often play games. We can often play games. It's like we, we want to be in a relationship with him, that we want to walk in this daily uh, satisfaction that we can have to, to drink from the living water he offers and the bread of life that he offers and, and, and the joy and satisfaction and peace that we can have within him. It's like we want that, but then there's so many things in our everyday life that seem to come up, quote unquote, that seem to become excuses or ways in which we play games with God. It's like, do you want to be in the relationship or do you not? And we've been in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to finish that up today. Uh, looking the first two weeks, we really spent time on Martha, and we saw that that we can use time as an excuse. I don't have time. I got too much going on. I got to make sure all these things are done and I got to make sure I go to my siblings game and I got to go to my practice and I got to get all my chores done, my homework, and we don't have time. And we also saw from Martha that you can, we use that we're distracted. I'm too distracted. She's so worried about making everything perfect and making sure the house comes together that she's missing the one person who's waiting for her. And if we're honest, Martha seems like one of the most logical people. Martha seems like the person that we probably often resemble. Martha's not too far off from where we are. And so when we read this story, it's like, yeah, those are normal things. And in reality, yeah, life happens. But today I really want to focus on Mary. And Mary gives us a different point of view. And what if I told you that you could experience Jesus if you would just stop playing games. That you could truly understand who this loving, caring God is who desperately wants to know you intimately in a relationship and walk with you daily. You can know him if you stop playing games. Now, I want you to understand, I, I don't want to blanket this and say that everybody necessarily is playing games with God, but I think that you need to also look at your own life and go, what are ways in which I'm making excuses to not invest in my relationship? Maybe that's the better way to phrase it and the question you need to ask yourself. What are the things that are standing in the way of me investing more with God, growing more intimate with God, walking with him on a daily basis? Because if we think about it, every relationship that we have on this planet, whether it's a friend, whether it's a significant other, we want to invest as much time as we can into that relationship. Why? Because we want it to grow. We want it to do well. Why is it sometimes we want to give the bare minimum to the God of the universe who wants to know you and you alone? 
intimately everything about you. Why do we just want to say, well, I got my one time I went to church this week out of the way so I don't have to worry about it. I sat down and read my Bible today for five minutes. I think we need to get outside of the mindset that it's things we need to do and rather experience who he is. Because I think when you begin to experience who God is, it will leave you in awe and wonder. Jesus wants to know me? So that's where I want to look at today as we wrap this up. But I wonder if you've ever had an experience that's left you in awe. I remember even just when I was growing up, that this isn't the story I'm going to tell, but I'm going to tell you anyways. When I when I grew up, one of the first couple times I can remember seeing fireworks, there was this person from my dad's church that, that there was a handful of people that came over, but, but he sat next to me. And he would always talk about how you go, ooh, ah, every time you see the fireworks go off. And you could see them from our house. So it was really cool. We had all these people over on our back patio, and we would watch it. And he would sit there, and he'd go, ooh, ah. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that, that as we watched those fireworks and the different colors and the different designs, and they filled up the sky, it left you in awe. My brother is an interesting one, but I love him to death. It's just funny to me that there are so many different, I would say non-important things that my brother puts so much time and effort in and it leaves him kind of in awe. Uh, one thing that we've done before, and I think I've mentioned, but if not, here's some information for you. When we were growing up, one of the things we did with the pack, when we would come over to somebody's house, drink Arizona teas. That was one of our favorite drinks. And so we would often come over all together and buy like seven or eight teas, all the different flavors. We were just all about Arizona tea. It was just good. It was a dollar. And so it was cheap, easy for us to get. And what we found out is that as we started buying them, instead of throwing the cans away, we were going to make something out of it. Like why waste the cans when maybe we could have a cool design? And so $2,200 later, about 2,200 cans or 2,100 cans, we built this Arizona tea pyramid with all these different flavors and all these different cans. And, and my brother, I remember when we finally finished it, because we could have gone forever. You could have bought 3,000. You could have bought 3,500. Like, like the pyramid could have never stopped. And we finally were like, okay, we need to at least make it to 2,000. Made it to 2,000. And then we got some more. And we were like, okay, we're, we're going to finish this. And so we finally finished it. My brother would sit in his room, our room together. Um, and he would sit down there for hours just staring at this pyramid. I don't know what was going through his head. Maybe he was processing all the different times we had these teas and remembering each experience. I don't know, but whatever. He would get lost in awe of just watching all that we accomplished by drinking these teas. Another time growing up uh, that I was a little skeptical was one of the first times that my brother uh, decorated our room for Christmas. So I, I don't mind celebrating holidays. I don't mind decorating. I'm not like anti those things. It's not my favorite thing to do, but but I'll do it. And so I can remember one time coming home and he had all these Christmas lights out and he was talking about how he was going to decorate our room and make it festive for the holidays. And, and we had kind of a small room, 
because our we had a loft in there that took up most of the room and we had this big TV and kind of cabinet that it sat on and so that in our dresser so there wasn't a ton of room but I was like okay you know I'm a little skeptical at what's gonna happen but he was all pumped about it and he was gonna do this and I wasn't really gonna help because I didn't really care about it so he was just gonna do the whole thing and I slowly started to see strands go up strands get wrapped around our railing strands get wrapped around our ladder that came up to our loft strands being kind of like bolted to the ceiling and and taped to different parts of our room and I slowly started seeing this thing come together and I can remember coming home one time and I see kind of this glow coming out of our room and I wasn't quite sure I'd probably been working I always seemed to work at Taco Bell when I was in high school anytime somebody called off I'm like yeah I'll pick up the shift and get some money and so I remember coming home and I kind of see this glow and I'm, I'm kind of confused. I mean, I knew Hayden was decorating, but but it was like a glow coming from the room. I thought maybe he had the TV on or he was shining some light. And so I walk in this room and my brother is just laying up in his bed, staring in awe at all the lights that were being hung in our room. And there was this silent kind of, I shouldn't say silent, soft Christmas music playing. And he was just staring taking in the picture of all these Christmas lights. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like you've driven around during Christmas time and seen people's houses decorated, or maybe you decorate your house. <clears throat> and when the lights are off, it's not really cool and it's not really significant and it's not all uh, jaw-dropping kind of spectacle. But, but when they're on, there's something about Christmas lights as they come together and they light up that bring this beauty and I can remember him staring and as I walked in and I'm watching our room, I'm kind of taken back as I see the picture of all these lights coming together, all the hard work that he put in. And I just stood there in awe as I watched these lights twinkle and sparkle and the the ways that I don't know how he wrapped some of these and how he got these all connected, but he found a way and just watching these Christmas lights was amazing. It left me in awe and wonder. And I think what you're going to see here in a moment, as you watch Mary, Mary is walking into the room as she sees Jesus, and it's like the Christmas lights that she's just sitting in front of Jesus in awe holding on to every word that he says, absorbing everything he has, because he's just incredible. And so I want to unpack these next few moments, this main idea of awe and wonder as we focus on Mary. And so in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we'll read the whole thing, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about Mary. It says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she sat. She had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores and preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Mary had dis has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. 
And so as we've kind of done, I'll just real quickly kind of play this picture out for you. But you got Martha here, who, as we've said earlier on, is probably the one that we can relate with the most. You know, just imagine there's somebody that you've looked up to your entire life, somebody you've respected so much in your life, and somehow you've gotten them to be able to come to your house for dinner, come to your house to have coffee, come to your house to have dessert, whatever it is, to hang out. I mean, we're not just talking about your friend who knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. Like, we're talking about somebody that you think so highly of that you want to put a good foot forward, that you want to give a good impression to. And so just imagine that that person is coming to your house. I guarantee each and every one of us is probably going to sprint home and try to do everything that we can to make our house look good. Pick up the clothes that are on the floor. Put the snacks away that we left out. Make sure the dishes are either done or in the dishwasher. Make sure it smells okay in the house. Like we're going to do whatever it takes so that as this person we've highly respected walks in, they seem impressed. And this is probably the thought that goes through Mary. Like this is Jesus. It's, it's kind of our culture to, to be hospitable and, and to make sure that we take care of our guests and to make sure that things look nice. And so as Jesus is coming over, she's trying to do all these things. And then Jesus shows up and she hasn't finished these things. And so she's still running around doing all these things, trying to make sure the house looks good. And her sister is just sitting there. Like probably many of us have siblings in here and just imagine you're running around trying to do all of these things that you would think is a logical thing to do and your sibling is just sitting there. You're running from the kitchen to the living room and you're picking some things up and, and you notice in the living room, she's just sitting there in front of Jesus. And you're like, okay, maybe they're having some small talk. That's all right. So you go back to the kitchen and then you run upstairs because you forgot you had to do a couple things up there. And as you run upstairs, she's still in the same position. And you're starting to go, well, this isn't good. And then you run back downstairs. And then as you you run to get something out of the car, you pass them by again in the living room. And you, you go, okay, this is starting to get a little bit ridiculous. Mary hasn't done anything. Like the house is in shambles. And we're trying to make things look nice for Jesus. And she is just sitting there almost with jaw dropped in awe of this Jesus person instead of helping me. As I brought up in the first couple weeks, I think you need to notice, as it says here in verse 39, 38 and 39, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha. Like Martha is the one that invites Jesus over. It's not that Jesus kind of invites himself over or even Mary invites him over. No, no, no. It's Martha who invites Jesus over and Martha is missing the invitation. Martha's the one that as she invites Jesus, Jesus is inviting her to come sit with him. And yet she's missed the invitation. She's extended the invitation, but missed her own invitation. And she's too busy worrying about all the other things except the most important thing. Mary didn't, didn't deny the invitation. When she heard Jesus was coming, there was something that came over her. How often are we like Martha and we invite Jesus into our lives and we're so excited about him being there, but yet we're too distracted and pulled in too many different directions 
in life that we forget the most important thing that's going on in life is him. And so now for the last few moments, I want to focus on Mary, which is the main purpose of of what I want to tell you today, is she gives us this picture of what it's like to be in awe of Jesus. That sure, there's a lot of things that need to get done, and she may not have time to get those things done, but what she's realized in her life is that this relationship, this guy Jesus, is way too important to let other things take up time, but instead give all the time that Jesus needs first. That I would rather sit at the feet of Jesus, even if I have a list of 50 different things I have to get done. I want to make sure that the most important, the most valuable, the most satisfying thing in my life has top priority and is given the most time. Because that's what's important. Like it's not a question about will I get both of these things done or maybe if I give Jesus time first, then he'll give me some time to get these things done or I'll get this out of the way so I have all this time. No, no, no. It's not even a thought about getting things done. It's not a thought about thinking about anything other than him. Like when a a relationship is so important to you, you're going to make time. You're going to want to invest in it. And this is what Mary's realized. Like, she just can't get enough. Like, everything he says, it's just like, oh my goodness, Jesus. Why do you love me so much? Why do you care for me so much? Why do you so desperately want people to know you? Why do you treat people better than anybody has ever treated them? I mean, these are things she's probably processing, like, as he's talking and she just sees the care in this guy and she goes, I just want to know you. I want to understand what it's like to be in a relationship where nothing else matters but you. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to let other things seem more important than you. You are the most important thing. And then you also see that, as we said in last week, that she's not even thinking about other things. She's not distracted. She's so locked in on Jesus. It says here, Mary sat down attentively before the master, attentively, locked in, focused, absorbing every revelation he shared. I mean, there's everything that's coming out of his mouth. She's just going, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. She doesn't care about anything else that's going on. She doesn't even notice that Martha's running around doing all these things because she's so focused on Jesus. I mean, imagine this in your own life, that you block out every distraction in your life. You put the phone away. You get to a quiet place. You turn off the music, and you're just so in awe. of this person. Jesus, I don't want anything to distract me. I don't ever want to run out of time. I just want to sit with you. And Martha, 
Martha gets mad because her sister's not doing anything other than sitting there. And so she decides to approach Jesus and say, will you make my sister do something? Martha, I think, is so busy trying to impress Jesus by what she, with what she does that she's missed the point of looking to Mary. And Mary says, I don't want to do anything. I just want to experience who you are. And Jesus says, Martha, you've missed it. It's not about what you do. It's not about cleaning your life up. It's not about making sure everything's perfect. It's not about having all your ducks in a row. What it's about is me. It's about spending time in a relationship with me. It's about sitting with me. It's about doing everything you can, not because you have to, but because you want to. That when you understand that this relationship means everything to you, your heart shifts, your life changes, that you're not just doing everything because you think this guy's cool, but you've experienced who I am. Mary is experiencing that. And she wants you to understand that we don't have to play games with Jesus anymore. That it seems so simple and basic that, that it's not going to blow you away with this radical answer. What it is, is just sit in awe and wonder at this Jesus guy. Sit in this relationship and just go, God, I want to experience you. I want to read your word and what you have for me. I just want to walk with you and talk with you. I want to go to church and see what it's like to be around other believers and encourage each other and be a part of all these different things. What I want is you and I can't get enough of it. And I don't want to do these things to look like I'm better than everybody else. I just want to do them because you mean everything. How many of you feel like that's where your relationship's at? It's not enough to know about Jesus. You need to experience him. You need to understand that he's much more than a preacher and a teacher, but he's a lover who desperately cares for you and loves you. And as you begin to understand what he's done for you, I would venture to say that your heart posture would be a little more like Mary and a lot less like Martha. I want to challenge you, as I have every week, to sit sometime this week. Or your quote-unquote sitting may be a walk somewhere where it's quiet. Maybe it's in your room. You can read scripture, you can pray, but I would challenge you to just sit there and start it off the time by going, God, Jesus, what do you have for me? And then just sit. We don't like to sit in silence because it's awkward and it's weird and we're such a fast-paced, productive-driven world. But I challenge you, just ask him and then sit. You may only sit for five minutes. You may sit for 20 minutes. You may sit for an hour because you get so lost in him. 
he says, I, I want you to read this. And you start reading and you're reminded of who this, this guy really is. Or he starts talking to you about the different things that are going on in your life and how much you need him and the pain that you're dealing with. Or maybe he just wants you to know you're loved. And he wants you to sit in that. I bet if you opened your heart and truly sat down and let yourself experience him this week, a heart posture like Mary will become a regular thing. You want to stop playing games with Jesus? Why don't you just sit with him? Stop getting distracted. Stop saying you don't have time. Because if this relationship matters to you, then you will make time. I close with a story that I want to preface by saying I'm not telling you to do this. Um, I'm just simply sharing an experience that I had that is something I don't want people to repeat but it was something in our our dumb days of high school that we did. And so we used to play this game that was like hide and seek kind of through our neighborhood. And so we were playing this game. We called it the walkie-talkie game because when it first started, all we had was walkie-talkies, and that's how we would communicate to the team that was hiding and get hints from them. And, and it was just that was the way it happened. And then we got phones, so that changed. But but we called it the walkie-talkie game. And so there was a certain boundary that you could go in our, our, our neighborhood where we lived. There were some streets, and then it cut off at certain spots. So that's as far as you could go. So you had a general sense where these people were. And so my brother's team was hiding, and, and we had been looking for them for a long time and had not found them. They had not made it back to the house because if you made it back to the house, you got points for your team, and that was kind of the goal is to, to make it back and get points without being seen. The, the seeking team was to find them before that happened, and, and they hadn't done that. And so we were so confused. We'd gone down all these streets. We'd split up. We couldn't find them. And finally, they came back. And they were talking to us, and my brother comes up, and I said, where, the, where were you? Because I couldn't find you. And he said, we're at the water tower. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny. I thought kind of a joke, you know, he was just making something up so he wouldn't give away his hiding spot. And he, I said, yeah, that's funny. And he said, no, seriously, we were. And he said, come on, I'll show you. And I'm like, okay. And if you know anything about me, I'm not a person that likes heights. And so I'm like, Hopefully he was just talking like around the water tower and not actually up there. And so we get there and all of a sudden he goes, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to jump on this box. Then you're going to need to jump from there and grab onto the ladder and pull yourself. And I'm like, okay, we're actually going up this. And so I start getting a little nervous. I'm getting sweaty in my hands because I do not like heights. And I'm like, I don't even know if I can do this. But I kind of push myself and I do all these things. I climb up this long ladder. It's caged in, but I'm like, if I fall, I'm going to get hurt. Um, this isn't going to be fun. But somehow I slowly make it up as I'm shaking and I get over the top and I'm kind of closing my eyes because I'm a little nervous and I can almost like barely walk on top of this water tower uh, because I'm nervous and I'm like, I feel like the whole thing's moving and I'm, I'm scared and so I kind of got my eyes closed and I can remember my brother's talking as we're going up and he's like, man, if you just wait till you get to the top and you just look out and you see the view of this, it's, it's really, really cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I get up top, my eyes are kind of half open and I'm nervous. And I remember opening my eyes as I get to the top 
And I look out from the top of this water tower and I see the entire city of Ashland. I see the lights lit up, I see the trees, I see the houses, I hear the noises of the people, the cars, the birds, the animals. And I'm watching all of this town and creation kind of function at 11 o'clock at night and it's an amazing, incredible view. Sure, you see buildings in the city and that's not super cool, but but it's it's the creation woven in and out and the stories that are behind everything that's happening and, and you hear stuff like the fire trucks and, and the stories behind all that and what this emergency is and maybe there's people tonight that are going you know, to have a baby, like there's all these different things happening and yet I'm standing here on a water tower watching out over this beautiful view and taking in all that's happening and it leaves me in awe and wonder. That's how I challenge you to look at your relationship with Jesus. It's scary to climb up the water tower. It's scary to, to sit in silence. It's scary to, to go to Jesus in prayer. It's scary to get real with Jesus. But I'm telling you, once you get there, once you get to the top and you just look out, you sit, you're going to see a person that leaves you in awe and wonder. I challenge you, have a heart posture more like Mary and stop playing games in this relationship.